Welcome back to Archives of Fabella Daily, the podcast with a host in a new studio. Can you hear the difference? Today is August 19th, equal to Leo 28th. Books are available on Amazon. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and hit that subscribe button for more great stories right in your feed. I don't know what happened on this date in 403 BC. It's a long episode today, and I'm just ready to get to it. I want this to be a podcast where I'm upfront and honest with my listeners. Like anyone, I have experience with having feelings for, in my case women, where that love is not reciprocated. There are a lot of times where I feel like I'm doing all the work to impress a crush, but it's not working. There are always continual obstacles I'm having to jump through, and nothing I do is good enough for her. The same thing has happened to me on dates where I'm sitting there trying to keep a conversation going, and she's giving me one-syllable answers. As much as I might be attracted to this girl, I can't make a relationship work when she has no interest in me. That's a hard lesson to learn that I am personally still struggling with, and it's the subject of today's episode. It's not wrong to not have the same feelings of love for someone as they have for you. I've been on the receiving end of that coin as well. That's part of life. I do, however, think that requesting favors from someone in exchange for affection you don't intend to give, as the character of Mina does here, is wrong. I'm sorry if that ruffles a few feathers, but I see that as taking advantage of someone's good and loving heart, which isn't okay in my book. Don't keep that fish on the hook for your own enjoyment and pleasure. Do the right thing and set it free. Likewise, don't let yourself be Tatis and jump through hoops for a person who doesn't want you back hoping they'll return the token of affection you know they'll never give you. There are a lot of examples of dysfunctional relationships in life. This is just one example. If you find yourself in a relationship like this, please find someone to talk to about it, because it's not healthy. If you're struggling to find some sources of advice, consider reaching out to a psychologist, a pastor, or a teacher. These people are there to help you. You just have to be brave enough to take that step. I'm Dylan Foley, and this is Archives of Fabella. Beyond our world, there is love. Beyond our world, there is war. Beyond our world, there is life. Beyond our world, there is Fabella. Leo 28, 3598, FY, Fabella year, equal to August 19th, 403 BC, Earth year. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful harpy in the Lucy Mountains of Adele Island, situated where Hawaii would be on a map of Earth. Fair of face, 
and white of wing. Everyone loved Mina, the only daughter of Harpy Lord Callister. She was sent by the Fantasian Republic to oversee the settlement of Loris in Northeast Adele. Her beauty enchanted all creatures great and small, none more so than the fawn guard Tatis. Tatis was placed among a legion of guards charged with protecting Lady Mina. The second he saw her beautiful unblemished oval face, he fell in love. He would do anything for her. Fawns were goat people, with bowed goat legs below the knee and a pair of sharp horns. Males were bucks, and females were does. It was not at all unusual for a couple bucks to go head to head for the heart of a doe. However, it was unusual for a buck to stray outside his own kind and fall in love with a different species. Cross-species mating was strictly forbidden in Loris. Tatis didn't care. He wanted Mina, and he was going to do everything in his power to win her heart. All he could do was watch her fly gracefully through Loris every day. Tatis watched her day and night, wishing and hoping his opportunity to profess his love would come. Then, one day, he got his chance. Tatis was guarding the temple of Loris when Mina flew up and passed right by him as if he was invisible. I love you. She halted and turned to face him. Tatis couldn't stop himself. All the feelings he had came pouring out all at once. He said things he never thought he'd ever say, like, you're the best part of my day. The day I met you changed everything about my life. Let me be your eternity. A life without you is one I don't want to live, and you are all to me. By the time he finished, he couldn't believe she was still standing there. Tatis's heart pounded inside his chest, his ears turned pink, and were well on their way to equaling the hue of his fiery red hair. To his utter surprise, Mina's face softened and her long, delicate fingers stroked his cheek. He leaned in to kiss her, but she turned away. There are a great many like you who seek my heart, but I can only give it to someone who proves himself to be a hero, said Mina. Go out and bring me the heart of a Kamazot's bat. There is only one heart I want to give to you, and that is my own, said Tatis. Lady Mina kept Tatis at a distance. Yes, but I want the heart of a Kamazots. Tatis screwed up his courage. Then I shall get it for you. Kamazots bats were fierce, man-bat hybrids whose name literally meant death bat, nocturnal in nature. These hideous beasts only hunted creatures large enough to suck their blood, of which Tatis fell squarely on the list of creatures on their diet. Tatis immediately set off to fetch a Kamazot's heart for fair Lady Mina to aid in his quest. Tatis took his razor-sharp dagger. It didn't take him long to find a small colony of Kamazot's bats hanging from the cave's ceiling. The night was about to fall. 
and soon they would wake to hunt for fresh blood. If Tatis was going to take a heart, he had to do it now, or risk being torn to shreds when the colony woke up. Tatis scaled the walls of the cave to get closer to a sleeping bat. Launching himself forward, Tatis tore the bat from its perch. The frightened Kamazats fought madly, but the heroic fawn kept his weight on the beleaguered mammal. He plunged his dagger into the beast's chest and reached inside to pluck out its pulsating heart. Tatis proudly bestowed the heart upon Lady Mina. Fair maiden, I have brought you the most beautiful heart of a Kamazot's bat. Lady Mina's face fell. It's quite small. Yes, well... That may be true, but it is still the heart of a Camazots. I want a bigger heart. Get me the heart of a Sasquatch. Sasquatches were big, lumbering beasts, twice as tall as the average man, with particularly big, floppy feet. A scarce few lived on the mainland below on the Adele Peninsula. They weren't easy to find, and kept mostly to themselves. Still, they were quite territorial. Killing one would be difficult. Nowhere near as easy as tackling a Camazots. It didn't matter how dangerous Sasquatches were. Lady Mina wanted a Sasquatch heart, and Tatis was going to do everything he could to get it for her. The fastest way to get to the peninsula was to board a flying mount and ride it down to the bottom. Mount was a word for any animal which could be ridden. The most docile flying mounts were Pegasuses and peritons. Tatis had to trade with one of his friends on the Flying Calvary two sacks of wheat grain in exchange for a periton, along with a bow and quiver of arrows before embarking on his mission. Adele Peninsula was just as continually wet and rainy in the monsoon season as the rest of the island. Tatis's hooves sunk into the thick mud, layering the jungle floor. This made for a messy expedition, but on the bright side, the saturated ground made it easier to track Sasquatch troops. A big Sasquatch print was easily distinguishable from other tracks. Sasquatches walked flat-footed and put enough weight on their feet to leave a perfect set of tracks. The second Tatis was able to find one print, he was in pursuit. He found a Sasquatch troop by the time the light of day had begun to dim. Sasquatches were nocturnal creatures, and they would shortly be on the move. The best way to kill a Sasquatch was from a distance. They weren't the type of creature to get close to. Many hunters made the mistake of firing their arrows from the ground. This was a bad idea for several reasons. Chief among them was the fact that the rest of the troop would go after the hunter who killed one of their brethren. Being on the wrong side of a Sasquatch stampede was not desirable. The best plan was to take them out from above. Tatis climbed up 
to the nearby palm tree. It would be far less damaging to the troop if he picked off a female instead of an alpha male. Mina hadn't found the Kamazot's heart satisfactory because of its size, though. So, if size mattered, then he had to kill the alpha. Making sure the tree's foliage camouflaged his position, he took aim at a hulking, black-backed alpha male and fired. Just as he suspected, the remaining females in the troop went wild. Unable to tell where the arrow came from, they ran off into the woods, howling their heads off. Tatis waited for all of them to leave before climbing down from the palm tree and speedily relieving the black-back Sasquatch of its heart. My goodness, it's wonderful! gushed Lady Mina when Tatis bestowed the heart upon her. Tatis leaned in for a kiss, but she rebuffed him yet again. Ogres are moving in to Loris from the south. They are particularly vile creatures. I sure would love it if my suitor could get me an ogre's heart. It would prove he was capable of defending me from even the most savage monsters. Ogres were big, dumb animals, but incredibly violent. They snapped bones like twigs. Ten arrows couldn't even make one fall, but they could toss boulders like pebbles. Killing one wasn't going to be easy. The ogres were coming into Loras from the south, so Tatis rode the Periton down to the mainland to meet them. Having never killed an ogre before, Tatis had no strategy for going about this dangerous task, so he resorted to the most primitive of tactics and waited till an ogre, separated from his brethren, went to sleep. In the middle of the night, he dropped down on the beast's heaving chest. By only the light of the shimmering aurora overhead, he drove the dagger into the ogre's chest. The pain from the sharp dagger digging into his flesh woke the ogre up. Tadis frantically hammered his dagger into the ogre's thick skin, hoping to hit an artery. One of his stabs hit Paydirt just before the ogre could squash him with a giant fist. Blue ogre blood spurted out all over the place. Tatis went flying. He watched the lumbering ugly brute stumble around before falling face first on the ground with a thud. The ogre's heart was bigger than Tatis's head. He hauled it all the way back to Mina, who looked at it in disgust. Ew! it smells. Get that thing out of here. You know what would be really great? Sex? asked a hopeful Tatis. You're so funny. Lady Mina gave him a playful punch on the shoulder. No, I'd much rather have the heart of a rope pen. Ropen were flying reptilian creatures with long, sloping beaks and thin, leathery wings. They were quick to dive and had blazing, fast flying speed that was only rivaled by the lightning bird. It was mating time, and the flocks of Ropen were many. If Tadis was going to slay one, this was the time to do it. Tadis climbed up to the highest peak of the Lucy Mountains, and all of Loris 
and the hopes of shooting a Ropen down with an arrow. Ropen dipped low over the peak, scooping up the small animals to carry them back to their nests. Tatis emptied his quiver of arrows as he desperately tried to shoot one down. Arrow after arrow missed its target. The Ropen caught on to the fact a hunter was trying to shoot them down, and they tore at his flesh with their sharp beaks in revenge. He was just about to climb down when a Ropen swooped down and wrapped its talons around Tatis's shoulders. Up, 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 they flew. Tatis struggled against the beast's grip. Realizing freeing himself would mean certain death, he stopped fidgeting. The whole cat ocean crashed into the shoreline, replacing Adele as the Ropen carried him to its nest on the side of a cliff. The Ropen mother deposited Tatis in her nest to feed her babies. Tiny beaks of baby Ropen scratched at Tatis's flesh. He kicked them away with his hooves and struck back with his dagger to keep them at bay. The Ropen mother became angry that her baby's food was putting up a valiant fight. She leapt atop Tatis to snap his head off, but he was ready. Tatis dove to his left so that the mother Ropen missed her strike. He then spun around and leapt atop the beast's back and plunged his dagger in to pull the heart out through the back. Then, my loyal Periton came to fetch me. I leapt on the flying stag's back and flew to deliver this Ropen heart to you, my lady, said Tatis heroically. You left those poor Ropen babies without a mother? cried Lady Mina. I can't accept that heart now. It's tainted. Go fetch me the heart of a chupacabra. Chupacabras did not run in packs. They were creatures who fed off the blood of animals. They drank so much blood that they took on the characteristics of the creature. If a chupacabra drank enough human blood, they could actually learn to walk and talk. No two chupacabras were the same. They drank so much blood from animals that it was common for them to have stingers, talons, tusks and the ability to breathe fire. Tatis had to be smart about this one. Chupacabras were cunning creatures, and not easily fooled. But blood of a beast they desired could attract them. So Tatis took the dagger, stained with all the beasts he'd killed, and held it high, so that the winds of Adele would carry its scent. A loud screech echoed out. A dark gray chupacabra with a long beak of a ropen, spiked tail, sharp fawn horns, and agile legs of an elf burst out of the brush. It immediately turned on Tatis. He dashed behind a rock. As the chupacabra charged forward, the chupacabra smacked its head into the rock so hard it split its head in two. Tatis seized his chance and plucked the heart from the dazed beast. Too dirty, said a disgusted Mina. She tossed the chupacabra heart over her shoulder 
You can't do anything right. I want the heart of a cockatrice. Yes, fair maiden. Cockatrices were lean, mean crosses between a chicken and a dragon, with a little bit of a snake thrown in for good measure. They were difficult to find because they were solitary creatures in the dense jungle of Adele. Rumor had it, one look into their eyes could kill its prey. This was not true, but the monster was so quick and agile, it may as well have been fact. This was Tatis's most dangerous monster yet. Few had killed a cockatrice, getting remotely close to one was damn near suicide. Because once you saw one, you were probably already dead. Still, he wanted to bring back a heart so that he could have Fair Mina's hand. Tatis could think of no other plan of attack than to camp out in front of a cockatrice nest and wait to see if one showed up. In the meantime, he set to work making a new tool to use in his hunt. The chupacabra crushing its head against the rock gave him an idea. If he could block the cockatrice's initial attack, he could launch a second attack to kill it. He tore off a strong piece of bark and fixed it to his arm using tight bands of ivy. It was crudely constructed, but it was a shield. Tatis didn't have much time to improve on his design before the sound of something rushing up behind him caught his attention. He whirled around to raise his oak shield just in time to smack a charging cockatrice in the head. The shield shattered. Quick as a flash, Tatis leapt forward and plunged his dagger into the cockatrice. How horrid, exclaimed Lady Mina upon hearing the tale. Well, I hope you have an easier time procuring the Hydra heart. Hydra were even worse than cockatrices. These sea monsters were difficult to kill, owing to their ability to generate two heads every time one got severed. Teta set out across the open Holcat Ocean to kill a hydra with nothing but a dugout canoe, his dagger, and a quiver of arrows. He rode until his arms screamed in agony, and then he rode some more. Suddenly, the ocean around him bubbled. Six great big hydra heads sprang up from the deep. Tatis scrambled to load his bow with an arrow. He tried aiming for the honking sea monster's soft underbelly, but hit one head in the eye instead. The hydra head reeled back, howling in agony. Then Tatis had an idea. He loaded up his bow with four more arrows and shot them into the eyes of two hydra heads. His arrows flew at the hydra, one after the other, hitting every single eye until the monster was completely blind. Only then, with the hideous monster permanently disabled, did he dive into the sea to tear its heart out. The canoe splintered into pieces. Fortunately, the hydra heart, twice Tatis's size, was buoyant and he was able to float back to the shoreline. It's wet, said a disgusted Mina when she saw the great big heart. I won't have it, 
Get me the heart of a Serastes. Yes, fair princess. Serastes were huge, scaly, horned snakes which burrowed underground in a dell. Tatis journeyed to the south, where he saw a Serastes winding through the hot rainforest. Throwing caution to the wind, he leapt atop the giant snake's back. It turned to strike him, but clever Tatis had already quickly cut a hole through the back large enough for him to slip through. Tatis swam inside the Serastes, poking holes into the skin whenever he needed to breathe. He journeyed blindly until he reached the heart, promptly severing it from the Serastes' body. He popped out of the now-dead snake in his quickest kill to date. That sounds too easy said Lady Mina when she heard the tale. Serastes aren't as fierce as I thought. I bet hodags are much more violent. They were. Hodags weren't nearly as big as hydras or Serastes, but they were meaner. It could kill prey with one swing of its spiked tail, and the spikes sticking out of its body at odd angles weren't just for show. They were poisonous, even after death, and only another hodag could withstand its eternal venom. He couldn't kill a hodag one-on-one. Tadis devised a clever trap. He took a fishing net, strung rope over a sturdy oak branch, and finished it off with a piece of Serastes meat for bait. A hodag, enticed by the sweet smell of fresh meat, ran forward and was promptly caught in the net. Tadis then kicked the struggling hodag into a nearby lake to drown it. The hodag breathed its last. Tadis confidently strode forward and stole its heart without fear of injection. It's a very ugly heart, said Lady Mina. I bet the manticore has a lovely heart. Manticore were not like the other monsters. As part humans, they spoke and saw reason. Ignoring reason to embrace their vicious lion parts made them monsters. The only manticore Tatis knew of was one who lived in a cave buried in the center of the island. Doka called Tatis as he stomped into the manticore's cave. Doka! A low growl rumbled behind him. Why are you here? Tatis spun around to confront the hideous half-lion, half-man manticore known as Doka. He readied his bow to fire, telling himself that he would not allow the hideous monster to speak. I'd tear you limb from limb. But fortunately, I find my stomach full. Duca prowled around Tatis. Why are you here? A harpy angel has tasked me with taking your heart. Do you want it? Asked Duca. She, she wants your heart. But. Do you really want to take it? No, confessed Tadis. But I can't have her without it. Does she 
want you. Tatis had never thought to take Mina's possible lack of feelings for him into account. Uh, of, of course she does. Doka sensed his trepidation. Sounds like love to me. Tadis still kept his arrow aimed at Doka's head. Aren't you going to kill me? Oh, don't worry. I'll kill you. I like to play with my food before I eat it. Tadis' hands shook. She loves me. Are you sure? Yes. Even as he said it, Tadis felt his love for Mina beginning to fail. Then fire away. Doka lunged at Tadis. Tadis sent his arrow flying right into Doka's throat. Doka bled out on the ground. Tadis hesitated before taking the heart, but he did take it. This is lovely, exclaimed Lady Mina when she admired Doka's heart. I heard a rumor that Chimera have three hearts. I should like to know if it is true. Do you love me? asked Tadis. What? Do you love me? he repeated. What would make you ask such a silly question like that? Nothing. Forget. Forget it. I, I forget I said anything, said Tadis. I will get you the three Chimera hearts. Chimera were hideous monsters, each with the head of a lion, antelope head, coming out of the side, and a snake for a tail. The antelope head was traditionally viewed as being the weakest head, and the mother Chimera usually tore it off at birth. Rumor had it that they had three hearts, one for every head. So Tatis went out in search of a Chimera with his homemade shield bow and arrow, and lucky dagger. He found a chimera foraging for food in the meadow. The particular chimera still had an antelope head, though it was near death from malnutrition. Tadis got ready to fire his arrow, but the chimera's snake head spotted him. The chimera chased after Tadis. Tadis ran, but the chimera was quickly upon him. It leapt up, fearing that this would be his end. Tadis cowered on the forest floor. The chimera's big body landed right on top of him. Once he was able to free himself from beneath the monster's large body, he realized it had impaled itself on his horns. When he ripped open the beast to retrieve the three hearts, he discovered there was only one. It's just like the other ones now, said a disappointed Mina when she cast the Chimera heart over her shoulder. It's nothing special. You know what would be really great, though? A real-life Draco Dragon Heart. Now this is really getting out of hand, said Tatus. Every time I come back with a heart of a random monster, you send me after another one. Are we ever going to be together? Yes, of course. If you get me the heart of a Draco dragon. This is the last one, said Tadis. This is the last monster I will kill for you. When I come back with the Draco dragon's heart, you must promise me that we will be together. I promise, said Mina. 
Draco dragons were huge monsters able to wreak havoc by reducing the entire land to ash. There were very few of them out in the Adele landscape, but Tatis knew of one deep in the caves of the island of the south. Draco dragons were nocturnal, so Tatis made sure not to venture into the deep dark cave until midday. The long, low snore. Echoing out through the darkness made him shake with fear as he drew closer and closer toward the sleeping dragon. The flickering orange light of his flaming torch fell upon the monster's crimson scales. Tadis crept around the dragon to its heaving belly. One of the embers from his torch fell on the dragon's toe. The small burn was just enough to wake up the giant beast. Tatis found himself staring dead into the big yellow eye the size of his entire body. It was time to go. His hooves beat rapidly against the uneven rocks as he raced out of the cave. The Draco dragon stirred behind him. Tatis made it outside just before a jet of fire exploded out of the cave. Blistering hot flames seared his flesh. The whole land quaked as the giant angry red dragon rammed itself against the cave. It was too much for the fragile cave to handle, and it crumbled into a thousand pieces of rock. Tadis looked at the destruction for some time before deciding to check to see if the red dragon was really dead. He climbed over the rocks and plunged his hand inside the dead dragon's chest to pull out its heart. The dragon's heart was burning with the heat of a roaring fire. Tatis had to cover it with animal hide just to carry it back to Mina. Marvelous, exclaimed Lady Mina. Simply marvelous. Now we can be together, said Tatis. Oh, I wish we could, but I'm afraid this heart isn't impressive enough for my father. Maybe if you got the heart of a Caceres Rex. No, Tadis finally had enough. You promised me the Draco Dragon would be enough. I've killed a Camazot's bat, Sasquatch, Ogre, Ropen, Chupacabra, Cockatrice, Hydra, Sarastes, Hodag, Manticore, Chimera, and Draco Dragon. Now you want me to kill a Caceres Rex? Not for me, for my father. This has gone too far. That thing is going to kill me. Don't you care? Lady Mina fixed him with a blank stare. So are you going to do it or not? The Caceres Rex was the most feared monster in Adele. Maybe even the world. The ginormous reptile was a natural born killer, capable of eating even a being as big as an ogre whole. Tadis embarked to kill the Caceres Rex, but somehow his heart wasn't quite in it. After all he'd done, Lady Mina still didn't care about him. He'd come back with the Caceres Rex heart, and she would think of another monster to send him off for. He was not a lover. He was a sacrificial lamb for slaughter. She wanted him to die. 
If she didn't want him to come back, then he wouldn't. He'd leave Adele forever, and she would have to find someone else to go out and get themselves killed. A thunderous roar rang out. A huge Cassirus Rex was chasing a family of elves. Courage, like Tadis had never felt before, surged within him. He knew he had to save those elves, not for Lady Mina, but because it was the right thing to do. He ran forward, brandishing his bow and arrow. He took the Caceres Rex by surprise, like the Sasquatch and Kamazot's bat. He shot the Caceres Rex's eye out, like the Hydra. One more arrow went into its throat like the Manticore. He dove behind a rock as the Caceres Rex charged like the Chupacabra. He blocked a swipe of his talons with a shield, like he did with the Cockatrice. He cut an incision and climbed in Inside the foul beast like the Serastes, and he took out the beating heart, like he had with all the monsters before. The elf maiden stepped forward from her family. She was more lovely than Mina. This is wonderful, she exclaimed. You were so heroic. What's your name? Tadis cast the Caceres Rex heart aside. He'd finally won a heart worth fighting for. That's going to do it for us today. Subscribe now to get more new episodes right in your feed. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Send your questions to archivesoffabella at gmail.com. Archives of Fabella is created, produced, and hosted by Dylan Foley with music by Garrett Ferris and Audioblocks. Books are available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. As always, look outside of what is possible and think about what might be.